Hello and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. Uh, I'm Christine and I'm here with Nate. Howdy. And we are continuing, wrapping up actually, season six of Rhythms of Grace today. Yeah, and Sung is not with us. He's traveling um, for his, I don't know, you probably know better than I do. Yeah, he's he's traveling, uh, visiting some of our missional partners with the, That's with right. the RCA. That's so, right. That's right. Yeah, he'll be back next season. <laughs> Whenever that could be. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we're, we're not going to, it's not going to be like, maybe, I don't know, it's not going to be like summer or something yeah. like that. It'll be sooner than that, but it might be a couple of weeks before we dive into uh, the next season. So we are wrapping up uh, a season on transitions. Yeah. And we've talked about all sorts of parts, about who we are in the midst of that, the different phases, all sorts of things. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about something that maybe is specific to me, (laughs) uh, but is like what happens post decision or mm. post transition or like let's say the, cha- the the change that is in your control occurs mm-hmm. because and then you find yourself living in sort of the the you know the after and the for me post transition or post decision the most common emotion that I feel is one of regret mm. and I don't think I'm alone in that although yeah. I may I may be extreme in terms of how often Mm -hmm. I feel that. And so, so we've talked about how you often are just really excited about every opportunity. Have you ever experienced what you would describe as regret or found yourself post transition, post decision and really feeling really crappy about what happened? Yeah. So I think I would distinguish between regret Okay. And feeling bad about where I'm at. Um, okay. So for me, those are those are distinct. So I would say, like, it, you know, when when I was thinking about okay, the topic of regret, mm-hmm. um, in my mind, I you know my initial, but this is always my initial, right? Is like, oh, I've never I've never experienced regret. Right, no. right. There's no negative emotions here yeah. ever, yeah. <laughs> which is not obviously the case. Um, but for me, I think uh, that like regret is something where. Um, if, if I make a decision using like the knowledge I have Mm -hmm. in line with who I am and it goes poorly, I don't feel any regret for making Mm -hmm. that decision. I'm like, I made a decision that is in line with who I am and the fact that it led to catastrophe, (laughs) um, (laughs) is just like, okay, that happened. And, um, how can I like maximize where mm-hmm. I'm at right now? Mm-hmm. Um, when I think of regret, it's when I didn't use the information I had or made a decision counter to who I am. Interesting. So it's like the only, the only reason I would regret a transition is, is not so much like based on where it takes me, but based on how I got there. So I'm so glad that you actually laid it out that way because I had a, an, an extended conversation with my wife, Amy, um, about this very topic and she refused <laughs> to come on the podcast and share her thoughts in mm. person. So I have to try to do it. Um, I'll do my best. I even offered to go shopping. I'm like, I will go <laughs> shopping with you if you will be on the podcast. Yeah. And she was like, that's not, the pot is not sweet enough. So, uh, but what she said is that she, um, she says, I almost never have regret. Mm-hmm. And I retain, like regret is almost exclusively about myself. Yeah. 
And so she said, like, if circumstances don't shake out, she said that, that doesn't mean that I'm happy, mm-hmm. but regret is something that she reserves. It's an emotion she feels about herself, mm-hmm. which is like what you're saying. Yeah. Essentially, like if I did something that was counter to who I know I should be or I'm trying to be, or if I knew that there was information available and I didn't use that to make a decision, I have regrets. But but those regrets are personal. Yes. Like sort of reflected yeah. on yourself. And, and that's what she was describing. Um, which I thought was, she, she said, I often feel disappointment mm-hmm. because I was saying to her, like, it feels like if, like, if something doesn't go the way that you wanted it to, it feels like you regret that. And she's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. I'm disappointed. Yeah. And she's like, I'm regularly disappointed, but regret is about me. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of sounds like the distinction that you're making. Yeah. Yeah. That rings very true to how I view it. Mm. Um, And like, yeah, if I move to, you know, Ann Arbor and it like actually like, you know, in those first three months of transition, you know, I might be like, oh, this is disappointing, but I can lean into that Mm. and, um, and like embrace that. Whereas I think regret it's, it's kind of for me along the lines of, of shame Mm. where it's, it's like almost something that it's, it's almost a useless emotion, Mm. um, unless you're, you're using it to, um, adjust. Yeah. Um, whereas disappointment is like, okay, how can I, how can I lean into this and build into this? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting that you call it a useless emotion, uh, only because, and I've said this many times and did even with these distinctions we're making, I still think it's true. I experience a tremendous amount of regret. Mm. I'm not saying that's right. It certainly hasn't been helpful in most (laughs) cases, but it is because, um, and there's a lot of things that go into my personality, but being an Enneagram one mm. and a perfectionist, an idealist, I always believe that if I uh, worked harder or mm. put forward more effort or or whatever, that I wouldn't find myself in in a place that I don't want to be. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're there, it's because you didn't work hard enough. Or you didn't, mm. and I, I come from this long line of like entrepreneurs and German immigrants who literally just like nose to the grindstone Mm -hmm. and like, as long as you work hard enough, everything's going to be okay. Um, so I sort of have this unrealistic expectation of myself, Mm. which coming out of a transition, I realized, Oh, that didn't go perfectly. Guess whose fault it is, Nate. Mm. It's, it's your fault, you know? Um, and so, uh, in some ways it is, like you said, a totally useless emotion, (laughs) except as I reflect on it and use it to adjust my own expectations of myself for the most case, which has been like a huge part of the therapy that I've been in. And the thing that my therapist said to me over and over and over again, which is like, Nate, what are you trying to control that is outside your control? Mm -hmm. And so you can see where that ends up. I feel regret all the time because I'm like, I should be able to control this outcome Mm. or this circumstance or these relationships. And you just can't. Yeah. And so it all kind of flows for me, but it's helpful to realize like, oh, that's why you always feel regret because mm-hmm. your expectations of yourself are totally unrealistic. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk about what do you do when you find yourself like in, let's call it disappointment, mm-hmm. which I think actually can be, they can both be very um, uh, informative feelings, mm-hmm. right? Although on different in different areas of your life, but what do you do when you're disappointed with the way something shook out? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think when disappointed, um, 
the the first thing that I would do is is ask myself why, mm-hmm. um, because I think that that's that is the question, right? Is like, is this because of an unrealistic idea that I had going in, or is it because this is actually not where I need to be right now no. and I need to make an adjustment? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's yeah, there's like two well. There's three responses to disappointment in my mind where there's like, okay, you're disappointed and it means that you need to change what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're disappointed and you need to change how you're looking at a situation or you're disappointed and you're just going to stay that way and you just have to live in that space. And so for me, the first thing is like, okay, um, yeah, checking my own heart of like, why am I disappointed? Is it because of something completely inside my own head or is it something that like actually needs to change? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think in both, it's, it's funny when you talk about disappointment that way, because I'm, I, it's, it's like, I'm not trying to do this on purpose. I'm not trying to be your polar opposite, just <laughs> like for dramatic effect, but I am rarely disappointed because mm. I'm always like, well, of course this is a t- total like crap show. <laughs> like, it, but then I put the blame on myself. Mm. You know, I, I'm never surprised when, circumstances go horribly awry mm-hmm. i just turn all the blame on, on myself oh, man. um I, but uh what i was gonna say is that both regret and disappointment are informative if you begin to ask yourself why yeah like, why do i feel this way um you know i mean they say that uh, it's like a really common phrase people that don't no history are, are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. That's true of that's true of our own steps through transition. Yeah. If you don't understand what is both driving you to to move in a particular direction or what you don't like mm-hmm. about the transition you just came through, I promise that you will just you'll just go through that over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like I've seen it happen mm-hmm. where you're just like uh, maybe you have people in your life like this where you're like, why do you, why yeah. do you keep like bashing your head against that wall? Like yeah. everyone else can see sort of what's driving you to this end. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they're picking option three. They just live in disappointment, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. 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 Or I think a lot of times people will live in um, that space of if I'm disappointed, the situation needs to change. Oh, and yeah. that's something that I see a lot in, in my peers mm. is like, are you it, a millennial? Is that what you I'm are? I'm Gen Z. Gen Z. Okay. Um, I'm trying to figure out who to blame here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm like on the border. So I think it's, okay. I think it's, you know, any of us in that, in that middle yeah. space. Um, but where it's like, you know, um, I, I start a new job. I'm disappointed in it instead of checking like, oh, is this, is this in my own head? Is this going to change? Right. Um, the answer is quit that job and start a new job. And then you're disappointed in it. Yeah. Um, or, or like serial relationships. Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, the like romance fades away. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for me month, what, two or three of any new change, it's going to be like the shine of it fades Yeah. and what's underneath, you know, you can either choose to, um, like, stick with it and see where, you know, like get further into that, that transition, or, um, you can choose not to ask yourself those questions and just keep starting over. Yeah. I think it's, I I think, um, it's also helpful to remember one of the points that you made at the beginning where you said sort of like you make decisions or you engage in transitions around like 
with the information you have mm-hmm. and who you want to be or are or who you believe God is calling you to be. Mm-hmm. And that that decision-making process is not separate from what we feel on the other side. Yeah. Right? Like if you're if you sort of are make decisions sort of willy-nilly, mm-hmm. let's say, and find yourself in disappointment and regret, I'm kind of like, well, that's that's probably par for the course. Yeah. You know, if you take more care engaging in discernment like we've talked about in in previous episodes, then when disappointment comes, you can sort of look back and say, "Okay, I'm not happy with this, but let's at least trust the process more or less, or, or trust that there is some learning that needs to take place and that this is all as it should be, even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, when, when we bought the, um, when we bought our family farm, that was absolutely my experience. Mm -hmm. I, there were multiple, multiple mornings where I thought, what have I done? Like, this is a horrible mistake. I'm never going to be able to pull this off. Like, my wife is crying, like, you know, just mm-hmm. like it was awful. There were parts of it that were awful. Um, but when I looked back at the discernment process and the fact that we had been praying for it for months and months, and when the opportunity arose, we were very careful about how we made the decision and really felt confident that God was sort of leading us in this direction. Yeah. And so you kind of say, okay. Like mm-hmm. I can actually sit in that and this is uncomfortable and this I'm disappointed or I feel like I've made a mistake, but let's, if we trust the process, mm-hmm. then there's something to learn here yeah. or it's worth sort of hanging on mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, see what, what's going to happen next in some ways. Yeah. And I think in, in that, you know, part of, for me, a, a lot of times the process, part of the process is, um, discerning with God before I make a jump mm. saying like before I get in there and I, I do encounter the, um, like inevitable disappointment mm-hmm. of, of the reality of something new. Um, like how long do you want me to be here mm. before I even know what it's going to be like committing to God? Like, okay, I'm going to give this this long really to discover okay um and so actually in ann arbor i i was just talking about this the other day um when i moved here i felt like god was calling me to stay here for four years okay and i was like okay well you know so like in in that way in the first three months when i was like struggling i there were things i didn't like you know first winter whatever i mean i do love winters in ann arbor but (laughs) um i'm one of the with a few but um you know as i was like experiencing all of this it was with the mindset of okay well like this is the timeline Mm -hmm. that I feel like God was Mm -hmm. calling me to commit to and so it it like gave me the strength to be able to discern what in this yeah is is good what in this um am I here to do right um and it yeah it helped me push through the disappointment and not um like assume that I should be regretting and leaving. Oh yeah. Um, And then once I was, you know, six months in, I was like, maybe forever. Mm. Who cares about the four year timeline, you know? Um, But I think for me, yeah. Or like knowing that the first three months are going to be hard and telling myself like, I can't make a change until I'm through the emotional roller coaster of this. Um, 
once I'm through the emotional roller coaster, then I can make an informed yeah. decision. And obviously things happen that yeah. would be sort of like extreme. Yes. Yeah. But, but I, you know, I actually did the same thing when I first came on staff at Grace. Mm. I basically said like, look, this is a minimum of five years for me. Yeah. Because I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like it, and my tendency again can be when things get hard, like, oh, I've, I've made a, I made the, a wrong choice. Yeah. And I, I felt like I needed to give myself a framework by which I could operate and experience negative emotions and not be asking myself, like, did I make a mistake or yeah. is it time to leave? Just say no. Like, and again, it was, it was a decision that was both like prayerfully and I think wisely made. Just yeah. sort of saying like, look, we're just going to look. This seems, this, it wasn't writing on the wall, but mm-hmm. it was like, this feels like a good time to really get through what I know are inevitable bumps in the road. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I've done the same thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important. I appreciate you saying like, yeah, this, this is a prayerful, yeah. considerate, like it's not every single decision I make. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a, <laughs> If a you try to befriend Christine, there's already an expiration date. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if is. you don't prove yourself in three months, you're out. <laughs> Yeah, that is not how I operate with everything. But, yeah. you know, with those big transitions, you know, it's it's helpful sometimes to when when you've been able to discern in yourself like those tendencies to yeah. be able to yeah. counteract them a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I can see that I can see that playing out in lots of different transitions, you know. I mean, uh, again, even like a new relationship, just mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, like I want to give this time for sort of the romance to fade and yeah. live into this past that and see what that's like. Like there's, there is wisdom in that, yeah. you know, and it's not just about, um, like torturing yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm going to, I want to get miserable at least a couple times before I pull the plug. Yeah. Like that's not what I'm saying. It's just, I think there is, I think there is some wisdom in making yourself stick it out. Yeah. You said that you said that you feel like it's something you observe in people of your generation. Mm sort of the tendency to say if something feels wrong, circumstances Mm -hmm. need to change. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that, where do you think that comes from? That's a great question. Um, I think that there is um, like a higher level of pressure for things to be excellent and not even for things to be excellent, but for me to be excellent. Okay. Um, Because I mean, I don't know, like, if everyone is a writer, if everyone is in the stock market, if everyone sure. is on TikTok singing and you're not at that level, or if like in six months your job hasn't given you the opportunity that this your peer's job gave you. Mm. Um, you know, I think about this with like, even, you know, for me as a, a young woman in ministry, thinking about like a lot of of my peers are thinking like, okay, if I'm going to be in ministry, I need to at 25 Mm. be like planting my own church. Right. Mm. Um, and that desire to like already be there. Yeah. And I think when jobs aren't there and don't like, you can't see instantly how they will get you there. Um, or you realize like you're not there, Mm -hmm. then it feels like, okay, well maybe I need to be trying something else. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not already at the finish line, maybe I need to start over with something new. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's one thing or, um, you know, just like in, in the midst of, of this season, the other thing I see is like, okay, it, I think there's a tendency to also, um, 
if if someone is like if if there's conflict at work mm-hmm. I need to, you know, work with people who are going to cause less conflict. Mm. Um, and that idea of, and this is like, it's, it's hard, right? Because there is such a thing as a toxic workplace. Yeah, there, is. there is. Or a toxic person in a workplace. Or a toxic yeah, person sure. in a workplace. Um, but it's also a fact that every single workplace is going to have people that you, can, you can't stand. <laughs> right. No matter where you're at. Right. There's going to be people who, bosses that you don't get along with or you don't see eye to eye with yep. or coworkers who drive you up a wall. Um, and so I think, I think sometimes it's easier not to discern which category someone's in mm-hmm. and to just call them toxic and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, to your first point, I think, uh, I think that in some ways we're living in sort of like the curse of, of the information age, mm-hmm. which is that it, you're exposed to what excellence looks I mean, you go on YouTube or TikTok, you will see excellence in whatever you're searching for, whether it's someone who is doing a craft or like you said, singing a song or Mm -hmm. starting a business, like you will find an example of someone who has far outpaced the crowd and that suddenly becomes the standard for excellence. And for those of us that are driven, Mm -hmm. like it's just easy to just adopt that and say, oh, well, if that's achievable by that person, then I should also be able to Mm -hmm. achieve that. And so you just find yourself sort of like, yeah, perpetually comparing against insurmountable yeah. standards, you know. Yeah. Um, I I think the other thing that I've experienced in my own life, which oh, I'm going to sound like such an old fart right now, Christine. So, <laughs> so like, the, there's a. Uh, there's a, I made Christine choke on her water. <laughs> Take your time to compose yourself, compose yourself. Um, you know, I, I was, I was told uh, often as a child how special I was. Mm. And when I was young and I still am, I tend to be pretty good at everything that I try. I can just sort of pick up skills yeah. and abilities really quickly. And people are like, Oh my gosh, you're so gifted or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think if, when part of what I've run into, um, and I think is even more prevalent in like pe- generations younger than myself, is that it's kind of like, wait a minute, if I am struggling right now, then am I, does that mean I'm not special? Like yeah. I, I'm almost, I almost can't call that the truth. Mm-hmm. So therefore it must be the circumstances around me. Yeah. If everyone has been telling me that I am special and gifted and unique and and, um, and look, I mean, all those things are true, right? Yeah. But it, we get a little twisted and say, oh, well, if things are hard, then either I'm not special and gifted and unique or the circumstances need to change yeah. to allow me to be that. Yeah. And those two things are not, neither one of them is exclusively true, yeah. right? There's like this middle ground of being like, yeah, no, God made you incredibly unique and life is a struggle, like yeah. both of those things are true <laughs> at the same yeah. time. And, and you can't allow one to, to become like the antithesis of the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, uh, my, my uncle is, is a professor and he, I remember when I was younger would talk to me about like growth mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that like in any new situation, your goal is to grow into it instead of, you know, I guess millennials and Gen Z struggle a lot with, um, like feeling like, oh, if, if there's a struggle, then I am not good enough and right. I need to do something new. That's not a talent of mine. So it's not what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely relate to that idea that like, okay, if I'm not good at this, um, 
then that's like either like a source of shame, right? Like, Mm. oh, I should already be, I should have already mastered everything. Right. Um, And so I should just quit and do something that I have already mastered, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah. Either, either that or like, oh, this job is, is too hard or too high pressure. Right. And so it's clearly not for me. Or even that the circumstances at the job where the people or the boss are sort of disallowing me from being as good as I know I could be just given the right opportunity. Yeah. You know, and again, I I don't want to be like kids these days. Uh, but there, (laughs) but there, I feel like that is more prevalent. I do feel like in some ways my generation grew up with more of an understanding of, um, like of the struggle. Yeah. You know, just sort of like, no, you sort of have to fight for all of this. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm painting with a really broad brush and it's not true for everyone and it's not true all the time, but I feel like I do see it. You know, yeah. I try very hard to compliment my kids on their effort, mm-hmm. not their skills. Yeah. And my kids are really skilled at a lot of things. And it'd be it's actually way easier to say, oh, you're a great musician yeah. or you're, you know, you're great at cooking instead of saying that was a really challenging recipe. Yeah. Like, I can't believe you were able to work your way through all those steps. Yeah. It's, it's still a compliment, right? But there's a line that essentially acknowledges who they are versus mm-hmm. sort of what they bring to the table skill wise. Yeah. And I think that's, it's also challenging because, uh, you know, for, for, I, I'm I'm gonna again. I'm also painting with a broad brush, but for for my generation, I feel like part of the the goal is to make it look effortless, right? Mm. An artist oh, yeah. is not showing <laughs> right. their their years of practice. Right. They're showing like, oh, you know, really quickly in you know this little uh, reel on Instagram. Yeah, instantly I've drawn this beautiful picture. Totally. Um, and it's not about the seven thousand practice drafts that you threw away. Yeah. So here's a again, I my my YouTube is my um social media drug of choice. Mm-hmm. And I watch a lot of like blacksmithing videos because that's what a lot of what I do. But like there is a lot of blacksmithing that is just hammering as hard as you can <laughs> on a piece of metal and to, to get it to the shape you want. And videos tend to skip that. And I have literally found myself making a project that I watched someone make yeah. in a 12 minute highlight reel. Mm-hmm. And it takes me 45 minutes and I'm like, what the heck? You know, yeah. like this, like it's, it can be easy to think, Oh, I'm, I'm not good at this. Yeah. They just edit out the struggle <laughs> yeah. of like, of all of just the hard work that's a part of that. And again, you know, social media is, oh man, I'm sorry. I'm so old. <laughs> social media is, it's a, it's highlight reels, yeah. you know, it's highlight reels of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that has become the standard that we, uh, that we choose for ourselves. And so we find ourselves on the far side of transition or a decision or a choice or a job or a relationship and say, this looked I, this should be way easier. Yeah. Uh, this looked way easier when I read about it or saw it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And here I am struggling. Something must be wrong. Yeah. And that's just not, it's just not always the case. Yeah. And that actually makes me think of, um, on a similar subject, but like, so as you know, the, the optimist sure. of the group, um, I do see this, uh, in myself and in other, you know, maybe like optimists or, or people who, who avoid the conflict of life. Uh, but it can be easy for me looking back at, on life. I only see the highlight reel, mm. even of my own life, of my own 
effort. Must be amazing. And I'm like, so, I'm so jealous. Well, it, it seems amazing, but it's, it's challenging when you encounter something hard mm. and you only remember like, oh, in my last job, I loved everything about right. it and everyone. R- and I right. don't remember any conflicts, which surely happened. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure that, you know, as the communications director at Grace, I had lots of conflicts. I don't remember that. I just remember like the beauty of designing Mm, and talking to all locations. So then when I encounter conflict in student ministry, I'm like, man, communications was so nice, (laughs) you know? And so I think for, for optimists, that's something that we have to guard against Mm -hmm. is like not, not following into that social media trap, like in our own brains. Yeah. Um, and always looking for something brighter because, Mm. um, you know, when, when we move on to something brighter, we're going to look back and, and it's, it's always going to be like the past and the future are brighter yeah. than the present. So I know that you're a writer. I mean, how do you keep those things in your mind? Is it, do you, do you reread, do you journal? You seem like you've got to be a journal. I do, I journal. Wait a minute. I feel like we've had this conversation and you have multiple journals. I have at least five active journals right now. I, just, sidebar. <laughs> Just what are those? Or just give me one or yeah. two examples of what what you keep track of differently. Yeah. So I have two prayer journals. So I have one on the go, one at home okay. on my bedside table. <laughs> okay. And then I have a daily question journal that's like five years every day, a, a question. And so it's every day of the year for five years. Right. And so a year at like... November 5th, you're answering the same yes. question, but you can see also your answers from previous years. Yes, That's cool. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I have a like poetry journal of like poems that I'm writing on the go and then like a random thoughts journal, which is separate okay. from any of the above. <laughs> Needed um, its own category. Yes. So, uh, okay. So back to our main <laughs> point, How, uh, do you, do you use those to keep track of sort of like give yourself a little dose of reality? Yes. Literally. All the time. I'm like, because I write whatever I'm feeling or thinking in the moment. Um, and I'll think back. I'll be like, man, October of last year was so good. <laughs> and then you'll and read then it. I, and then I read it. And I'm like, oh, I was actually really <laughs> sick and really sad. Oh, and all man. of my prayers are prayers of lament. Um, wow. And so it's really helpful yeah. for me because literally I won't even remember that. Mm. Um, but like, especially my prayer journals are really helpful of like, that 100% transparency with God, being mm-hmm. able to see like, oh, this is what I was struggling with. It's not new. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, just, just seeing like, oh, this is um, my tendency that I, I like to turn a blind eye to. Yeah. But it's written there. Yeah. So it's almost the opposite of, I think, maybe like for you, maybe you need a gratitude journal to like. Really, <laughs> yeah. really. I, I, I mean, I tend to think that. I tend to think that I journaling is really hard for me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it's one of those things that I've picked up and dropped like dozens of times over yeah. the years, but I do find that reading back through them is incredibly helpful because yeah. oftentimes a season where I will feel like it was just a total disaster. I'll look at it and be like, Oh man, I actually, it, it has created in me a tremendous amount of compassion for myself mm. because I look back and I'm like, Oh, that poor guy, yeah. like that was not a big deal. Mm. And it just consumed your thoughts and your emotional life and mm-hmm. overshadowed, shadowed relationships that were important to you. So it is, I mean, journaling yeah. is a fantastic way and it doesn't, I guess it doesn't have to be written. I mean, the journal that I do now most consistently 
is much more visual. It's yeah. a, it tends to be more like ideas and brainstorms, but even that can be helpful when I'm yeah. feeling sort of creatively dry or feel like, um, you know, I'm not really an artist, blah, blah. Like yeah. I can go back and be like, Oh man, I have a lot of good ideas, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like build myself up a little bit. So yeah. that is a good way. That is a good way to, um, to try to like, yeah, give yourself a dose of reality in yeah. either direction. Yeah. Really. Hmm. All right. I mean, all right. So, all right. We've been talking for a long time, Christine. Yeah. It's good to <laughs> chat with you. Uh, let's let's try to let's try to wrap this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about transitions, mm-hmm. if we're talking about discernment um, and decision making, what sort of what things do you try to keep in mind for yourself that you have found to be helpful? This is a very it's broad a, it's question. It's a broad it's a broad question. Yeah. Um I think, you know, uh we've we've talked about a lot of different ways to to you know, approach discernment and and then even like the fallout of those decisions. I think that one of one of the biggest things that is helpful um that we've we've talked about is like asking that question of who who am I and, and who's God calling me to become. Mm-hmm. Um I think keeping that in mind um it it really is like one of the foundational questions yeah yeah it's it it avoids the that one of the things we talked about it avoids in many ways regret Mm -hmm. because it's sort of like it keeps you in a way that where your decisions discernment transitions are done being true to who you know that you want to be yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah how about you uh, you know, here's what I think about, tra- here's what I try to remind myself about transition. Mm-hmm. Transition happens both much more frequently and much less frequently mm-hmm. than we like to think. Yeah. I, excuse me, I've heard so many people say something along the lines of, it's a really busy season at work or I'm in a really busy season of life and that season never changes. Mm. It's like you keep saying that you're in transition and you're not like these are choices that you are making day in and day out and you're not transitioning out of a busy season or into a busy season. You relentlessly overschedule yourself. Um, And in that case, it feels like transitions don't happen as often as we like to maybe tell ourselves they are to excuse bad behavior or, you know, or, yeah. or a misprioritization. So I yeah. try to remind myself of that. And if I find myself saying too often, oh, this is a really whatever season, mm-hmm. a season of sadness or grief, or it's like time t- to say like, is this a transition or are you just, do you like really need to transition yeah. out of this and you're not, you're not doing it. So in that case, it feels like they don't happen as regularly as we sometimes say. But then on the other side of it, I, I it has been helpful for me to remember that in some ways, some aspect of my life is transitioning almost all the time. Mm-hmm. And if I'm aware of that, I find myself more able to embrace it. Yeah. And, uh, and sort of engage with life that way as opposed to, you know, sort of like feeling like I should be settled or... I should have everything figured out by now mm-hmm. or I thought that we had already sorted out this relational conflict and just say, no, like, like transition is happening all the time. This sort of inflow and outflow. And as long as I'm living into that, I, I find myself much more able to engage in a way that I think is who God wants me to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, you know, going back to like it's season one, we talked about like, well, we didn't, you guys did. Yeah. Um, you talked about, you know, with, with Rhythms of Grace, like wh- where that got the title mm-hmm. of, of we like to think of our lives in terms of finding balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes in pursuit of balance, we almost like fight transition, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're like, okay, well, in order to change seasons, it's going to take a transition, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but remembering like transition is, I mean, if anything, it's, it's a, a benefit. Like it's, it's a good part of life and a natural part of life. Yeah. And, and that God invites us into his rhythms, um, yeah. not into stasis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great way to put it. Well, I am so thankful that you hopefully stuck with us for all of this <laughs> season and our, our meanderings as we wrap this up. Uh, when song returns, we will start a new season of Rhythms of Grace. Not entirely sure what it's going to be yep. about. Sung has been chewing on some ideas, and uh, we will let you know when that's coming down the pike. Yeah, see you then.